the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. The phrase of the day is our nostalgic past, I think, with this episode, or particularly for the movie portion Mm -hmm. and the casting portion. Uh, We kind of have a Western theme episode for everybody out there. Uh, We are going to be talking about the 1996 film Lone Star. We are going to also do a recasting of Lone Star using actors of today. And then we are going to be doing a review of the Nickelodeon show, Hey Dude. (laughs) it's a little uh we'll talk about that obviously all right so not a lot of people i think know this film Mm -hmm. lone star it's pretty obscure great cast and we will talk about that obviously um and we'll talk about you know why we chose it i guess once we get into that portion but Mm -hmm. check it out trust me listen to us talk about it i think i think hopefully you'll hear in our voice that it's a movie if you haven't checked out it's something you'll probably want to check out maybe for the good maybe for the bad we'll see listen to the episode don't don't i'm trying to get people to make sure they (laughs) don't cut this off because you don't know what lone star is is all i'm trying to say yeah all right so, like, real quick, I just want to say, so I watched this movie with my wife uh, in preparation for this, mm-hmm. and about probably 20 minutes in, she goes, oh, is this the one where blah, 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 and then rattled off the ending, uh-huh. and she's like, oh, I do remember this movie. Now, I'm not sure if she remembers it because she watched it when she was a kid, okay. or if it's something I've made her watch before, I don't remember, but she remembered it, so that was good. From in my opinion, it was good. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny because I, I I made my wife watch this as well because um, I bought the DVD uh, probably like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. I made her watch it and when she came out. She's like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's, you know, it's something you've seen before." She's like, I've never seen this. And then like ten minutes in, more into it, she was like, "Oh, it's this one." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> so the question similar, is, did she like it? She didn't hate it, and okay. that's, to me, that's a huge thing for that's her. That's a huge win. Yes. So, all right, this film came out in 1996 john could you please set us back in time that's going back in time sound um to 1996 so the movie came out on june 21st 1996 the billboard top 100 single of that week adam we're taking you to the crossroads by bone thugs and harmony Okay. Yeah, that's that's definitely um that's their song that I like the most and I know the most. It's their only song that I like. I know. Okay. <laughs> I, I I like Bone Thugs just fine. That Crossroads is absolutely their best one. Mm-hmm. We had a uh in our small town, we had a music festival last year. No, 2 years ago, sorry. In 2019. And Bone Thugs came and they played. When they started playing, I was like I, I when I was about to be like, "Oh, sweet, I'm excited to to hear Bone Thugs." And then they started going and I was like, Ooh, I'm not a fan of these guys. <laughs> I think it's like I'm only a fan of like that song. Yeah. So yeah, it just it didn't do it for me. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings, no surprise, is a show that Adam is intimately familiar with called Seinfeld. Maybe you've heard of it. Yes, <laughs> extremely intimately familiar with. Uh, in fact, you can all find out just how intimate if you check out 
Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. And aren't you guys doing something new with your Patreon over there? We are. Thank you for that plug, John. Um, so we have started a monthly exclusive episode where we are now doing Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Cartwright presents Curb Your Enthusiasm, where we are going to be going episode by episode of Curb. So we're really excited about that. Corey's never actually really seen many episodes. I've seen all of seasons one through eight. Um, and so we're kind of going in with a slightly different mentality where I know it a little bit more than he does, where both of us are big Seinfeld fans like we are in the show. So um, check it out. And if you guys like if you like Patreon and like Curb Your Enthusiasm and want to help out two people who are just trying to give good content, join our Patreon at Cartwright. Uh, the New York Times bestseller for that week is one called The Runaway Jury by, surprise, surprise, John Grisham. Okay. I mean, I've heard of the book mostly because I've heard of the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and John Grisham, definitely big name. Yep. Uh, the In video game world that week, actually the day after this movie came out, was the release of a video game that many, many people our age played. I didn't, but I know a lot of kids who did, and that was Quake. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm with you. I didn't really play Quake, but it was a popular game. And something fun from that year, uh, Charlie Sheen, you might have heard of him, you know, Tiger Blood. <laughs> Tiger Blood, yeah. <laughs> spent over $6,000 to buy 2,615 tickets to a game at Anaheim Stadium, hoping to be the one to catch a home run ball. So he basically bought out <laughs> the outfield seats. Not a single home run was hit at the game. <laughs> Fuck you, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> But that's funny. Uh, that was 1996. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, let's talk Lone Star. All right, Lone Star from 1996. It was written and directed by John Sayles. Uh, he wrote the film Piranha, Eight Men Out, uh, Brother from Another Planet. Uh, those last two he also directed. Uh, a couple other things as well. He also edited the film, so he's a very you know oh, wow. talented talented filmmaker for sure. Uh, this film, the cast, uh, Sam is played by Chris Cooper, who we know him probably best besides this from American Beauty. He's yeah. also in Adaptation, uh, where he got an Oscar nomination, and um, just a lot of good stuff. Chris Cooper, I think, is a very highly underrated actor, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? A lot of times I see Chris Cooper in other roles. He's kind of playing like a bad guy mm-hmm. or like a pseudo bad guy. But he does such a good job just kind of playing. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to put this movie in terms of good guy, bad guy, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of layers into this film. Yes. Um, but you you don't see him play characters kind of like this as much. Exactly. De- there is depth in this one. Yeah. Uh, and I do want to make one correction. He actually won his Oscar for adaptation, not oh, okay. just nominated for it. So uh, Pilar is played by Elizabeth Pena. We talked about her when we talked Rush Hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also been in some other awesome movies, La Bamba, Batteries Not Included. Uh, she is Jacob's she, Ladder, if you've never seen that. Yes. She's an actress. I, th- she, I think it was 2017 she passed. It was something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was really unfortunate. I was a I was a big fan of uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Pena. I also did the voice in the... Uh, she was in The Incredibles. Oh, okay. She does the voice of the silver-haired woman who kind of lures... Mr. Incredible, that's Elizabeth Payne. Oh, yeah, Pena. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, like she's like um, Syndrome's like henchman sidekick yeah. kind of henchman lady. She's, yeah. she's totally, I was always, I always felt she was kind of an underrated, um, I, I'd go so far as to maybe call her a character actor a little bit. Yeah, she's she's not too much of a lead actress. No, but she's always fantastic. I'm always excited when I see her pop Yeah, some- fantastic actress. She's gorgeous too. Yeah. I mean, she's just, she had a lot of things going for her and unfortunately passed away, but yeah. Uh, all right, Charlie Wade is played by Chris Christopherson. He's well known for being 
part of the Highwaymen, a mm-hmm. country music star, but also in the Blade Trini- trilogy, a Star is Born, like the, one of the, the older versions of a Star right. is Born, well-known country music star and actor. Uh, I didn't Hollis- re- Sorry. I was going to say, I didn't realize that uh, A Star is Born is like one of the most remade movies, because <laughs> the first one's <laughs> yeah. like from the 30s or Th- maybe yes, it earlier. Is. They so- have like a 30s version, a 40s version, like a 50s, a 70s. He's from the 70s version, <laughs> yeah. and then they had this other one. Yeah. Up, up it now. It's you know they're eventually gonna have like a like a techno version of the Stars Born. You know it was probably all country music before, and now it's you know then Lady Gaga, and then they'll have techno, and then they'll have whatever kind of music we're not even thinking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hollis is played by Clifton James. Uh, he was in a couple of Bond movies, Live and Let Die, Man with a Golden Gun. He was also in Superman Two, Buddy Deeds, played by big actor. A lot of people know now Matthew McConaughey. He wasn't unknown at this point but he was a smaller actor he'd only yeah. really done like dazed and confused right um and maybe like a, one other one uh but nowadays a lot of people know him from true detective which is actually a show i've not seen and i know i need to yeah interstellar interstellar um a time to kill was actually yeah. is a was a really good in that one uh, dallas buyers club fantastic performance he gave yeah. in that one God, and he looks so young in this he does. Yeah, he was about, I think, 27, 28, something around that. Oh, wow. Um, he, maybe, maybe 26. He looks younger to me. Like, he looks he like he'd does. be like 21, 22. <laughs> yeah, kind of does. Otis is played by Ron Canada. Uh, he has been in National Treasure, Wedding Crashers, Cinderella Man. Uh, he's a fantastic character actor. Yeah, totally one of those guys who you don't know his name, but as soon yes. as you see him, you're like, oh, I've seen that guy in 100 things. Uh, I did see probably... You know, one faux pas on his IMDb. He was actually in an episode of that show, Due South, that we talked about that was not good. And I was like, oh, man, Ron, you are in Due well, South. you know, you get, those guys get work wherever they can get yeah, work. True. And his name is Canada, so it only makes sense. Uh, all right. Um, I do want to mention uh, Dell is mm-hmm. played by Joe Morton. Definite fan of Joe Morton. We've talked about him before on the show. One of the funny things is Otis plays his dad. Joe Morton is a year and a half older than Ron Canada, <laughs> and yet he plays his son in this film. Yeah. I know Joe Martin best from Terminator 2. Yeah. I think most people do. God, that scene um, when he's just like breathing, clutching onto life before oh the God. bomb goes. <laughs> I know, it's so good. <laughs> It's a great so performance. It really is. So just by breathing. It's yeah. just like, damn. Uh, and then Mercedes Cruz is played by Miriam Cologne. She has been in Scarface, uh, Sabrina, a couple other different, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, Hispanic soap operas or Spanish soap operas as well or things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and before we dive into our scene by scene breakdown, I just want to mention, how did we come? I'll ask you first. How did you come to Lone Star? Well, I'm assuming the same way you did. And that's through our mother. Without question, she was a fan of this film. Actually, even a couple days ago from us recording, John posted, hey, we're going to be doing Lone Star. And she's like, oh, my God, I love that movie. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we know, Mom. <laughs> like, that's, this is the reason we're doing it. Yeah, it's um, your because fault. Because <laughs> she, she was a fan of it, and then we wa- ended up watching it. I can't remember if we watched it first on, like, TNT or something like that, or if we had the VHS. Right. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember, but... This is 100% the reason that this is in our nostalgia and why we were fans when we were younger was because of her. Uh, She also had the soundtrack. Yes. Oh, my God, that soundtrack. I listened to extensively. Yes, I did, too. I listened to it quite a bit, and I was going to mention it, but, yeah, you bring that up. And we did, 
it was just kind of on rotation, like, you know, mm-hmm. that we would put on every now and then. And it's a fantastic soundtrack. So, and obviously I'll be cutting in some of those songs. Yeah. Um, Cause they are nostalgic to me as well. Yeah. Great variety of music in that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the last thing I just want to mention, cause a lot of people don't know the movie partly because yeah, it's a small, relatively small budget, mm-hmm. $5 million budget for the movie. So that's mm. not particularly big, especially with a great cast like you've got here. Yeah. And it didn't make, 12 million. So, hey, more than doubled its budget. So, good for it. Um, but I think, you know, if there's any proof that people should go check it out, it's got 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, like, oh, wow. overall, it is a well regarded and, and praised film. Yeah. We start off in the desert and some people are stumbling. They stumble across a human skull and it's got a ring with it. And then we get our title cards. And I immediately wrote, I love the song playing with his title cards. And I was going to talk about the soundtrack, but we already brought that up. But it's so it's so fantastic. We meet Sam, our Rio County Sheriff. Uh, they also find a old badge by the by the human remains as well. Uh, we then kind of very briefly meet Pilar. We find out she's a teacher. One of the sheriff's deputies uh, picks up her son. We kind of just find out, you know, okay, so they're in town. And uh, her son was, you know, got some law issues. He was putting in a radio, but it's apparently a stolen radio. Just some little things that are going to end up interweaving people's stories here. We also meet Hollis, who is a former deputy back in the day. Uh, he's the current mayor of this town. Uh, him and his friends, they don't really have faith in Sam as the sheriff. They kind of bring that up. You know, he's not like his good old dad. Yeah. Uh, Buddy Deeds. Buddy and Deeds. That's, that's, what a great name. It is. Buddy Deeds is a really good name. And that's that's really going to be one of the, th- the things throughout this movie is Sam is kind of chasing the ghost of his dad throughout it mm-hmm. because Buddy made such an impact on this town. He'll never live up to what is Buddy Deeds. And you so. and you definitely learned that they didn't have a great relationship to begin with. Yeah, exactly. He had a strained relationship with his dad. Um, absolutely, everybody kind of knows it too. Yeah. <laughs> so. Is it weird that every time some every time or the first time when they when he says like buddy deeds, it makes me think of of uh, Blazing Saddles when he goes, "You do it for Randolph Scott," and everyone goes, <laughs> "Randolph <laughs> Scott." Like I have expected the whole place to go up and go, "Buddy deeds." deeds. Yeah, that is what it sounds like. You mention his name. And everybody just kind of goes off into a flashback or think like, oh, buddy, he was so good for this town. Um, and that's 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 a big point that we're just going to have throughout it. Uh, we then get a flashback from Hollis. And I got to mention just the the stylistic nature of these flashbacks is an important part. The transitions are great. Exactly. So only like once or twice do they actually do like a like a long cross dissolves or, or dissolve or something like that to a to the past to these mm-hmm. flashbacks, which is kind of a standard technique for doing it. But what John Sayles did for this um, and his cinematographer, you know, how they made this happen was basically they shot it so you had this seamless transition with like a camera move or something where you're Mm -hmm. seeing somebody talking in the quote unquote present. The camera moves and you're immediately brought to the past all in one shot or all in something. It's like it is so perfectly done. So it it seems kind of uniquely done, Mm -hmm. but it all just kind of seems flawless and smooth that it's just like it's a fantastic technique. That they did to uh, kind of bring us into the past, yeah. or come us out, or or come out of the past. Right. So we meet Charlie Wade in this flashback, who is this corrupt sheriff. 
you know, he's taking bribes, all that kind of shit. And we also meet Buddy Deeds, who seems to be kind of an honorable guy. He calls Charlie out on his shit. He wants Charlie to leave as sheriff and walk away because he's such a corrupt guy and, you know, kind of stands up to him. He puffs his chest a little bit bigger. Basically, Charlie, you know, vows that he'll kill Buddy, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. He's like, you're a dead man. He's a, he's a Chris Christopherson gives a really good performance for being a hard ass. Doesn't <laughs> he's a he? great asshole. He is. Man, he's he's pretty intimidating in this film. And because we're going to get a lot more of these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. We come back to the present and we just kind of found out apparently Charlie did leave town. Kind of like, okay, wow. He didn't seem like he was going to. One of the things that we will talk about, there's a lot of discussion for race relations in this film, mm-hmm. particularly between the white people in charge, the overwhelming majority of Hispanic culture Mm -hmm. and the minority black culture kind of those are the three main that we kind of delve into this film and this this kind of takes place on a border town doesn't it or yes i mean they're right right by like the rio grande yeah the rio grande river rio grande it's rio grande right it's rio grande oh because that's the restaurant isn't it rio grande or (laughs) i'm pretty sure there's a restaurant called rio grande (laughs) maybe that's what i'm thinking of but rio grande it's spelled rio grande i know but i'm pretty sure the going pronunciation is Rio Grande. All right, fine. Anyway, yes, it is on the border town. But yeah, so we get that a lot of the older people in town have this respect for Buddy. And I'd say it's not just the older white people. There's an aspect of that. Uh, but there's also, you know, Otis and some other of the other cultures, uh, the Hispanic culture as well, that still respected him. Uh, but there was also there's all this interesting relation, race relations stuff where everybody still kept... I don't know how else to put it. Kept people in check, as as gross as that sounds to mm-hmm. say. But like even Buddy did that kind of stuff. But but it's interesting. But also it's bad to say. At least he was better than Charlie, because Charlie Wade was fucking awful oh, to yeah. people and didn't hide anything about it. No, we meet Dell briefly, who is like this hard ass army guy. We find out he's the son of uh, Otis. Kind of speaking of Otis, we meet him at a blues bar with a great blues song going. I think it's um, a Little Walter song. Little Walter is just a great classic blues musician with a, with his harmonica there's a gun goes off there was someone got shot and killed just crazy crazy drama happening um, at a PTA meeting there's this discussion about the way history is taught basically I mean it comes down the second that this scene came up I was like holy shit this is relevant today yeah like uh, uh, basically these white people who were like, don't change history kind of stuff. And you can't teach it this other way. And it's it's a white it's, a, it's kind of like a white pride uh, slash U.S. pride versus Mexican historical accounts and how that kind yeah. of thought is to take as opposed to, you know, there's this whole thing of like, well, we're the winners. The winners get to yeah. teach it how they want. And it's like, fuck. I mean, they were like, you know, written history's written by the victors and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, that, that, you know, just, that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it correct. No. And in and, and definitely my opinion, history should, you know, be taught from as many different perspectives as you can kind of get yeah. and learn from, you know, all of that stuff. So um, apparently Pilar was teaching too much of the loser account, if you will, <laughs> um, no, the, the, the Mexican yeah. uh, side of things. At the, the jail, Sam sees Pilar, you know, as she's there to get her kid. And you can tell immediately that there's something he's he becomes more awkward around her, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So uh, there's just something that you know he he's he likes her mm-hmm. I can tell so um, so he goes there's and, history there there's history yes so there's going they're checking out uh, they he gets his gets her son and and lets him out for her so 
Uh, we see a little scene of the entire skeleton is excavated and checked, and the badge that was with it is a Rio County Sheriff's badge. So exactly what uh, Sam is right now. They're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Sam meets up with like this. Uh, I think he's a Texas Ranger because it looked like he had a Texas Ranger badge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Yep. Uh, I guess who was you know the guy who was leading the forensics team or or something um, or part of the part of the Rangers who'd sent it over. Uh, and they're certain that it's Charlie Wade. Uh, the ranger thinks, you know, it might be Buddy who killed him. You know, mm-hmm. who we had only who we'd heard and seen is this big name in town. Uh, you can kind of tell right away that Sam kind of wants it to be Buddy. You're absolutely. He's he's ready to like shoot down the memory of his father. Yeah, I mean, I th- he's you know he obviously did not have the same history with his father the rest of this town did, and I think you know he feels that the town does not really know his father. Or yeah. you know, didn't know him the way that he knew him. That he he wants them to see him for what he thinks he is, which is this murdering asshole. You know, the guy who he thinks he got murdered, the the skeleton that they find, who is Charlie Wade. I really like this Texas Ranger story because Charlie Wade is apparently like well known in this area, mm-hmm. and he said, and he just kind of tells them that, uh, or he tells Sam, yeah, you know, I met Charlie Wade once when I was a kid. I remember Charlie Wade come to my father's hardware store once. I was just a little boy. But I'd heard stories about how he shot this one, how he shot that one. Man winked at me. I beat my pants. Winked at me. I was so scared. It's just like, yeah. He has that, man, he definitely has that intimidation factor to him. Yep. Uh, we cut back to Hollis, you know, as I mentioned, who's the mayor. He's out on a fishing boat. Sam finds out also that Charlie was a Mason and that was the ring that he had with uh, that the skeleton had with him. You know, that was a a Masonic ring. Sam's trying to investigate and figure out, you know, all the things of who killed him. And basically Hollis is like, hey, man, I I don't want you digging up the past, that kind of thing. Mm. So doesn't want him to find something that shouldn't be found. Uh, a woman who was at the bar earlier, you know, I guess the, she knew the person who got shot. We see her. She's in the army. Her superior officers, you know, ask her about that whole situation. They're just trying to get some info. Um, just a little thing that, you know, I don't care for a lot of these side characters. Not to say I don't dislike them. I, what I mean is I don't, I'm not invested in them, mm-hmm. like some of these side characters, but they do really good of just bringing in all of these different stories, like in this small town, like everybody yeah. seems to be connected. Like some of the, I agree. Some of them kind of like they seem unnecessary, but they tie in well enough that you kind of, you're the tolerator. You're like, okay, okay. Yeah. I can see where, I see where we're getting all of this from. Um, and they don't dwell on them. To me, they don't dwell on it long enough for it to be a problem. You're right. They do. They do jump between characters and scenes pretty quickly. I mean, not like super. Not, the pacing is not bad at, at by any means. No. They do jump between two, so you get a little bit of Sam with this Charlie stuff, and then you jump over to you know what's Dell being angry about his dad with Otis, and mm-hmm. then this other girl. There's Pilar dealing with other stuff, and then back to uh, then this woman. You know who who's. Uh, she knew the person who got shot. It, it does. It absolutely. You're kind of you're kind of all trying to be like, okay, why are we caring about these people? And then like you know, kind of by the end or you know during different parts, you see how they they all kind of intertwine. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Uh, we then meet Sam goes to see the woman who owned the club before Otis did. You know, he asks her about Charlie Wade and also about Buddy. Uh, and then we kind of get a flashback about Charlie Wade. We see just him being utter dick to ask to uh, another dick to Otis making him pour his 
uh, beer for him, things like that. He really, Charlie Wade throws his weight around. Yeah. Like, he would, like, sit back and like, keep his hand on his gun, and he had no reservations for killing people that we'll find out, you know, uh, in an upcoming flashback. And just in general, yeah, another great transition out of this, but it just kind of really, they're emphasizing more and more, like, damn, this guy kind of fucking deserved to die. <laughs> That's Charlie Wade. Yeah. I do like when they ke- when they come out of that flashback, they don't come right back to Sam talking to that woman. You know, this this flashback is her seeing what Charlie did to Otis, just kind of being um, an asshole to him. But as we come out of it, we see Otis is talking now kind of about that same situation. And so mm-hmm. we've kind of leapt him forward a little bit in time. But again, those smooth transitions do things so interestingly that I'm just like, Man, I, I I really as a filmmaker, you know, even not as a filmmaker, you got to appreciate the artistry yeah. that they're doing here. We see Dell unpacking his house. He isn't happy to be in town, so he did grow up in this uh, in this area, but he has also father issues. He, you know, mm-hmm. his dad Otis apparently left his mom when he was young and moved like down the street to live with this other woman. He's Otis is obviously like a, was a woman a womanizer. Yeah. And he was not a, a particularly good father. Uh, we then cut to Mercedes Cruz's restaurant. And I did like the line, a little bit of foreshadowing here. You see uh, the guy Enrique kind of talking on the phone, talking about, oh, no, no, this is a safer way or something. Just kind of setting mm-hmm. up, like if you're paying attention, setting up what's going to come a little bit later with him. Did you recognize him? I recognized him. I can't remember his name, but of course I recognized him from a film, Only the Strong. Yeah, yeah. which is a movie we keep talking about. And for some <laughs> reason, we haven't put it on the list yet. I know. Well, you know. How many of like kind of these ones that are we're super nostalgic for that not a lot of people are are gonna know? But you know, at the same time, screw it. Like, man, sometimes it's worth to introduce some of these movies to people. And I think Lone Star and Only the Strong are two of them yeah. that deserve to be on there. Man, we we need to move one of our other ones. Yeah, well, we got to put it on this year. I'm saying right now, this year, this year okay. it is going on the list. I'll, that actor's name is uh, Richard Coca. Richard Coca. Okay. Um, he was also in the Mexican. If you remember that one with Brad. Oh Pitt. yeah, yeah, I the, Brad, that. the Brad Pitt movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also was in Selena and Minority Report. Okay. But he actually hasn't acted since 2013. Oh wow! But he's good though. I liked him in, in both this and the other one. Looking at his uh, stuff, he was he did a ton of stuff in the 80s and the 90s, and then. After Minority Report, he did something in 2008 and then something in 2013, and hmm. I don't see anything else, so he doesn't go to writing, so I'm not really sure what he's doing now. Yeah, yeah, maybe he found something else, but uh, he was definitely, a t- uh, I think, a, a talented actor. Yeah. You know, it was a good actor, so. We find out that Mercedes is Pilar's mother. We also find out just through, through them kind of talking and bickering that Pilar's father died when she was very young. That's what she kind of knows about him. Eladio Cruz uh, died when she was, she said like a month before she was born. She'll say that later. But um, all right, at the bar or at a bar, we see Sam having a drink. Uh, The bartender talks about Buddy and like the good old days. And, you know, here again, I I don't know. I just felt like shit. I feel like I see this stuff a little too much (laughs) where this guy's talking about, well, the whites aren't going to have power soon because, you know, there's too many Mexicans in town and they're the popular, they're the the big vote. And it's just like, I don't know. uh, It's, Obviously, racism is a very touchy subject, but it is still alive and well in this country. Um, and this movie, it just seems particularly relevant, you know? Mm-hmm. That was kind of kind of disturbing watching some of it, but I absolutely had um, did have see that. And I live in not a large town in the southern area, but I, there are people who, I think, think like that. 
which really sucks. Um, he even makes a comment this guy does about a you know a mixed couple there. He's like, well, back in the day, Buddy would have said something, kind of just giving him a warning. It's like, really? It's just two fucking people, you know, having a drink in, in a bar. Leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. God, I hate those old days. I hate that old shit. You know. Yeah. That old mentality. So, anyway, we also find out, or we see, we recognize, you know, them as uh, they're both army people. Uh, one of them being from like that first scene that uh, he was one of them that uncovered the skeleton of Charlie Wade. So, yeah. but just kind of get tying everybody in more together and just kind of getting a little bits of their stories. And it's not like their relationship is an important thing to the storyline. It's really not at all. They're just kind of world building and character building by giving us a little bit more of, of who these people are. Uh, and I do like that because it, it's not every little thing is necessary for the plot um, and, and where the story goes. But you do like all these different characters. They're not just almost none of them are really just like one off characters that you're just like, OK, they are really brought in just to move the plot forward. You know, like those army guys like, no, you bring them in and then you actually learn a little bit about almost all of our characters, making them a little bit more human, mm-hmm. which I think is probably an important aspect to this film with the race relations being such a big plot point to it that, you know, hey, we're all just we're all just fucking human. Yeah. Dell goes in and uh, talks to his father, Otis, at the at his bar. And, uh, you know, we just yeah, we see that their their relationship is very strained between the two of them. Um, I do like it, man. God, I love it. Anytime Joe Morton acts makes me happy. <laughs> so. You know what's weird? It dawned on me that Joe Morton, I don't think, interacts at all with Sam at any point in this movie. Oh, you're right. Literally. Like, he he's not necessary for the plot. He is just, again, just just building the character, learning more, uh, honestly, more most about Otis more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right, though. I don't, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he's not necessary, but I'd. I I don't I don't not want him in the movie. Exactly. I couldn't imagine him with that cuz it 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 it's weird that we're getting all this backstory for Otis and in the end probably unnecessary, but I think mm-hmm. is good for the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's something that I think we can talk a little bit at the end but like this is this is an independent film mm-hmm. style. You know, it is not a blockbustery western kind of thing. This is not one that I think people are going to want to watch, you know, on a Saturday night when they get the family together like no this is this is when you're when you're interested in really kind of like thinking during a movie and just kind of like trying to absorb people or something like mm-hmm. that's that's what this movie is really good for yeah so yeah good observation I didn't even think of that that's great we then have a conversation where we find out some of the city council they want to get this whole new jail uh, Sam's against it because he thinks it's all just bullshit politics and kind of one one person's going to uh, use their construction company to build it, and the other person's going to use it to, you know, help get, you know, a mayorship when he's trying to run. Uh, and Sam's kind of, he's a straight-laced dude. You got to respect him for it. He doesn't give a shit about, you know, a lot of this other stuff. He uh, he kind of came back to town because someone called him because, basically, he had the name Deeds. And he mm-hmm. even calls out, like, you brought me back here because you needed me to get rid of the other guy. And my dad was was the man. And so that's why he has any clout because of his dad's name so but he doesn't he doesn't do that shit like his dad that he feels his dad did mm-hmm. the uh, army guys who uh, found the skeleton they find a 45 pistol slug which is just kind of weird being on a rifle range mm-hmm. and so they give that over to sam who obviously he's trying to like, piece just furthering his investigation trying to figure out what the hell's going on um, because we had heard a little bit earlier that his dad buddy used to always use a 45 colt or whatever Cold 45 is a gun, right? Or is that just a malt liquor? 
No, no, no. That's a, it's a brand. Well, yeah, it, it's a it's a gun, it's a gun. and a malt liquor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, sorry, I was doing a little bit of digging. Richard Coca, the actor we were talking about, yeah, uh, now goes by Rick, okay. and he is the communications director for a councilwoman on the Los Angeles City Council. Oh, okay. So he so kind of went into, into politics. He kind of into politics a little bit. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, we respect it. And it, there's for this photo, it's definitely him. He's all yeah. silver haired now and stuff like that. Because oh, is he really? Well, I mean, he's older than cool. us, so yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. But, so. And I guess I we both have some gray hairs. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It's obvious in my beard. I'll say your beard is like a big, big stripe block of yeah. I'm like I'm like the reverse of stripe from Gremlins. It's all on my face, yes. not on my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you should ma- if you could match the 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 silver like a, as a mohawk like there, a racing up, up stripe. Your, <laughs> yes, racing stripe that went straight from your head down to your beard too. That'd be that'd be pretty epic, I think. Uh, all right, we see uh, Mayor Hollis giving like a proclamation and unveiling this plaque of Buddy, um, you know, in the downtown area. Sam and Mercedes Cruz also talk about you know talk as well, just kind of like you know in this uh, kind of a ribbon cutting ceremony that they're having. And then Sam and Pilar kind of go for a walk again, setting up obvious. Sam likes her. <laughs> he, he wants him some Pilar. And I don't blame him, but uh, all right, we then get a flashback, another very smooth transition, you know, showing the history that they had together, that a young and Sam were out together. Uh, they were young and in love back in the day, mm-hmm. that that was a legit thing that they had. So they were, they were, they were a couple back then. Yep. So um, in the evening, Mercedes Cruz is uh, startled by some Mexicans who are sneaking, you know, into the U.S. because they're obviously right there by the Rio Grande, mm-hmm. not the Rio Grande. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's Rio Grande still. I'm probably okay. still going to say Grande. Right, but uh, she she calls Border Patrol, so it's just kind of interesting because you know she has no mercy for mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Apparently, Sam uh, sees a report that uh, Charlie Wade was killed by a bullet wound. So it's not just uh, some other things. It's definitely murder that they found out. Um, trying to you know figure out who did it. Uh, in the morning, Sam talks with. Uh, the janitor who's now working at the jail. Kind of interesting. I wasn't even really going to mention this scene, but he is the one. He says that um, Charlie killed Eladio Cruz, who is Mercedes Cruz's husband Mm -hmm. and Pilar's dad. Yeah. So that's what uh, kind of leads them to that. Everybody seems to know everybody in all the business in this town. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a small town. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I, I would imagine this is a very small town. Like it seems like it's, not more than a thousand people. I figure, you know, first of all, the older generation, when they were in the town, it was a really small town. Mm-hmm. So they're all going to know each other. Um, and then with the addition of the the military base, that's going to add in several thousand, you know, troops into the population. So true. Very true. So, uh, all right. Sam uh, goes down to Mexico asking about Eladio Cruz, just trying to find out some more stuff about him. Uh, ends up talking to like this a random kind of business guy. Um, who tells him the story of Eladio transporting Mexicans to the States via a truck. And, you know, he saw Charlie Wade, who intercepts them, and Wade kills Eladio. And I would say that that guy, the business guy, and Adam, you're not going to know this, but uh, to my fellow uh, Stargate fans, anyone who's a fan of Stargate SG-1, the TV show, like I was, uh, he plays Master Braytac in that show. Um, and I know you, that means nothing to you, Adam, but that's going to mean a lot to anyone who watched Stargate SG-1. Well, I hope there is a Stargate SG-1 listener out there. I'm sure probably there not. Be- uh, <laughs> I'd say probably not, <laughs> but probably. I don't yes. know. 
There's one uh, right here. There you go, you nerd. <laughs> so, all right, we get a quick scene of Pilar at work. You know, just kind of talking about her young love with Sam, and then we get a flashback of Buddy catching Sam and Pilar at a drive-in. You know, they were in the backseat necking, if you will. Mm-hmm. Do people still use the term necking? No. I don't think they've used it since the 50s. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. Well, maybe the 70s. I still use it. I'm going to go neck. I'm going to go home and have neck with my wife. Is that is that the quote? <laughs> no, that's no, not the quote. Not. But that's not. Anyway, but he stops them. And, uh, you know, Sam in the present day drives uh, away from the drive-in again. Kind of nice. He was there. Pilar started that that flashback. But, like, you know, we come out of the flashback and it's, it's Sam who's looking at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get, it might be my favorite song from this soundtrack, but this is such a good soundtrack. And uh, this one, I'm just a big fan of. I want to call out this song called My Love by Billy Miles. My love, my love is a mountainside. So firm, so firm it can come the tide. My love for you. Oh yeah, God, I love that song. I actually, um, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, for a couple a uh, couple years, I actually played upright bass in the school's orchestra. Oh, yeah, great! Yeah, I learned how to play that part. Mm-hmm. I taught myself how to do it. That was one of the first nice. songs I remember learning how to play by ear. Yeah, it is. It's got a good like a stand up bass sound yeah. with it. Um, I mean, it's pretty much yeah. most of what it is 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 bass and the vocals, and then everything else is very like soft to it. Yeah, but uh, it's man, the he sings that song so well. He does. Yeah, you're right. It's got like maybe maybe like a snare with a brush. Yeah. with it kind of slightly in the back, and that's about it. Yeah. But it is simple. But yeah, so one of the best from the from the soundtrack. Um, Sam meets with Pilar after her work, and they talk. You know, Sam. Still in love with her, obviously. Um, at her mother's restaurant, we get oh, a Spanish, another great song, Spanish version of "Since I Since I Met You, Baby." Uh, but it's the but it's the it's the all Spanish version, and mm-hmm. it's just I don't know, it's so good because of this song. The soundtrack had both versions; it had the English version and then also uh, the Spanish yeah. sung version. So I always yeah. appreciated that. And Sam and Pilar dance to it alone, um, you know, in this empty restaurant, you know, on her jukebox. And then that night they get it on. Mm-hmm. They have a nice little night together. So what they couldn't do at the drive-in, they finish here. So, in the morning, Dell's son goes and sees uh, Otis. He was actually at the bar when the guy got shot way back. Again, just kind of find out more and more relationship building. You know, he doesn't need to be there, mm-hmm. this guy, this this kid. Um, but we just get more strained relationship of um, Dell and Otis, honestly, more than anything else. Sam talks to Hollis, and, you know, he thinks... Uh, Sam thinks Buddy killed Wade right now. And Hollis is visibly distraught mm-hmm. right now. He does not like, um, he seems particularly uncomfortable. So we'll uh, just find out a little bit more about that. 
Uh, Sam kind of continues his investigation, uh, trying to find out, you know, more about his father, Buddy, just trying to just find out more about him in general. He then finds out that his dad had another woman mm. that he was in love with. Seemed to be, you know, well enough known in town, too. Yeah. What, sorry, one thing that I don't think we mentioned, but I think is actually kind of important to know. Hollis was present when Wade killed Eladio Cruz. Yes, that is true. He was standing. In fact, he was shocked by it. He was. He was. He didn't feel like it was particularly necessary. Um, but yeah, he was surprised. He was. He is the other deputy. So, you know, whenever we've got typically like a Charlie Wade flashback, Hollis is kind of. He was his, one of his deputies. He's kind yeah. of like a. He's kind of a meek and yeah. meager deputy. Yeah. You know, he's not like Buddy. Buddy stood up to Charlie, but not. Hollis. Hollis was just kind of like he was just kind of there and obviously surprised. He's just you could tell he um he he was just kind of not really a puppet for Charlie, but he was just kind of you know a side guy, kind of who, a lapdog almost. Yes, a lapdog. Perfect way to put it. We then have a quick scene. Uh, Enrique, you know the waiter from Mercedes's restaurant, is going down to Mexico to get uh, some people to cross the border. Uh, he's a coyote. I think isn't it called a coyote? Uh, the people who kind of lead those people across the border. I don't know. I apologize. For I'm pretty knowing. sure. Okay. We'll go with Funny that. thing is I, I learned about that because of the show Weeds. <laughs> if anybody hasn't seen Weeds, um, I'm pretty sure. Because I think uh, her brother, the main person's brother, was nicknamed Coyote. Because he would have people help people cross the border or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway. Um, we then see Sam talking to Bunny, who is his ex-wife, because uh, he's trying to get some, you know, get some more of that information, some of his dad's old stuff, who's played by Francis McDormand. Freaking amazing casting in this movie. It is. The the different great actors and actresses, it is surprising. A couple, obviously, Oscar winners, as I mentioned with Chris Cooper, but Francis McDormand, she was, most people are going to know her from Fargo, yeah. three billboards outside of, uh, was it, S.A. Ebeling, Missouri or Essing, Missouri. She's been getting a lot of critical acclaim the last, probably the last 10 Mm -hmm. years or so. Just a lot of the stuff she's doing, everyone is just loving. I mean, yeah, but I mean, yeah, Francis McDormand, amazing. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's surprising seeing her in like kind of such a small role in this film and just kind of like Mm -hmm. on the side. She's like, she plays like this very interesting person. Uh, This this ex-wife of Sam who's who's clearly had some sort of breakdown. Yes, absolutely. Uh, big breakdown. She's just di- dived into football as her own thi- only thing. She loves football. She's got everything different Texas football stuff. She's wearing a Houston Oilers hat, mm-hmm. but a Texas Cowboys jersey, which I thought was kind of strange. Like, well, she, can you be she, fan bases, bases of them both? She just likes Texas football. She does. I mean, she had Texas Longhorn banners on the wall, Texas A&M sweater across her chair. Yeah. She talked She talked about the local high school game, which means that she's probably the person every weekend, Friday night she's at the high school game, Saturday she's either watching the college game or is at the game, and Sunday she's watching pro football. So that's her thing. Yeah, it is interesting. She's not really needed. You could have had uh, Sam just look through some old boxes that he already had of his dad's stuff, but mm-hmm. they particularly add this in there, to, I think, to just kind of, yeah, Add another character, maybe have, add a little bit more about like you know, you know what, what was Sam doing with this person beforehand? Like, right. you know what is what is going on? It adds just another kind of interesting character, a little bit more depth that you can kind of dive into, you know, some more uh, with these characters. Like, and it's it's cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's funny because we in a lot of things we do talk about like unnecessary characters, unnecessary things, and in a lot of ways, a lot of these characters and side stories are unnecessary mm-hmm. for the main story, but they're told so well that you can't imagine having yeah. that not having them in the movie 
Yeah, I agree. Um, Sam finds a love letter in his dad's stuff. Okay, that will come back. <laughs> Dell goes to see Otis at his home, and you know he, he Otis isn't in at this moment. Um, you know, one of his his dad's current wife, uh, you know, kind of shows him around, and he finds out that his dad saved a lot of his like newspaper clippings about him, making the realization, oh shit, his dad actually cared this whole time. Yeah. I mean, and that that doesn't wash away, you know, decades yeah. of oh. neglect. Yeah. But, and maybe it does take a little bit of the sting out of thinking like you you didn't matter to him. Exactly, and and we know that Dell's gonna have to be there for like at least two or three more years because he's you know in charge of the the army base that's there, and so hopefully this might be okay. This is the start of potentially they can mend some of their relationship. But you're right, it's not gonna be like oh wow. You, you used the scissors and glue and you saved one, you know, saved a couple of newspapers about me. Doesn't mean all those years without mm-hmm. playing catch with me right. uh, are, are going to be wiped away. But it does something. Yeah. Uh, while transporting people across the Rio Grande, uh, <laughs> uh, Enrique has to ask Mercedes Cruz for some help because one of the women uh, broke her leg. And, you know, obviously Mercedes is not happy about this. But we then get a flashback of Mercedes crossing the Rio Grande River, crossing the Rio. I'll just say the Rio. There we go. Send, uh, crossing the Rio. And it's just like, okay, she was going to call Border Patrol. She did earlier in a scene that we saw as well. And it's just like, but you had to go through this same thing. Yeah. Like you you illegally immigrated to the U.S. Why are you being hypocritical right here? But she does end up helping the woman, you know, helping them in general, which is just kind of, it's just kind of strange. It adds a little bit more about her character of like, you know, what... What happened to you? And what we do see earlier, it's probably she gets angered about this because her husband died Mm -hmm. doing that exact thing. And I think that left an impression on her that she's now angered by illegal immigrants, you know, and illegal Mexicans coming in, even though that was her, Mm -hmm. it it cost the life of her husband and her love. Yeah. So, well, one of her loves, John. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, we then see Sam uh, goes to Otis's, and he's confronting both Otis and Hollis that uh, basically that they saw Buddy kill Charlie. That's what he thinks. And we get a flashback. Otis was running an illegal, illegal like uh, card game, mm-hmm. you know, in the back of the bar. Charlie obviously wasn't happy about it because he feels he deserves a little bit of every piece of pie in town because <laughs> he's fucking Charlie Wade. Yep. Uh, and so at one point, which is something that we had seen very similar to when Charlie killed uh, Eladio, yeah. uh, which was Eladio was trying to get a gun just to kind of like, you know, hey, you know, get it from the truck because that's what Charlie asked him to go do. He had Otis get the gun from behind the bar. And as he's like turning his back, he's about to shoot him. We find out, no, it was. N- well, Buddy Deeds also walks in at this point yeah. uh, in the flashback. But. It's not Buddy Deeds who kills him. Hollis yep. killed Charlie before Charlie could kill Otis. So obviously him seeing Charlie killing Eladio and probably killing oh, yeah. other people as well or doing terrible things, he had enough. And so this obviously kind of weak lapdog earlier was just like, okay, no, I'm, I can't live like this. I, we can't live with this yeah. evil person in town. Kind of the Charlie Wade kind of reminds me of uh, the movie Shane. I've never seen that. There's the scene where he throws a gun at someone's feet and he goes, pick up the gun. The guy picks up oh. the gun and he shoots him. Pick it like, up. Yeah. You, should, you all that, saw that, him. I've seen that he in like parodies. He had a gun. Bill, yeah. Bill, uh, 
Bill Hicks does a, a recreation pick, of that. Pick up the gun. <laughs> pick it up. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That exactly the Bill Hicks. Okay. And we kind of find out right here that Mercedes Cruz was the woman that Buddy Buddy had been with uh, as well. That's the so that's so that was someone that he'd had with on the side for like fifteen years. Apparently, mm-hmm. they also make a lot every time they the, every time they mention uh, either Buddy, but anytime they mention uh, Buddy's wife uh-huh. to Sam, oh god, like, yeah. your mother she was, was a saint. saint. They said that everybody, every- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Sam's fucking tired of hearing that too. Um, so we get out of that flashback. And Sam basically decides to let it slide. Hollis killed Charlie, but like Hollis is this old dude now. Yeah. Honestly, he kind of did it for the right reasons. It's really more yeah. defensive Otis than anything else. And so Sam's like, you know what? Let Buddy take the the fall on this. Mm-hmm. His his reputation can handle it, and he's been long since dead. It's kind of cool. It's kind of funny because you know he kind of he kind of wanted his dad to um to come down a peg. You know the yeah. the, the story of his dad, and it's going to, but. More for like the right reason because, or Hollis probably did a good thing, you know, by by yeah. ending Charlie Wade. So. Well, the funny thing is, is if Buddy had been the one to kill him, I don't think anyone would have complained either. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. They would have. They would just. They would have felt like maybe he would have become more of a hero. Just like, oh, thank God, the reign of terror is over. Yeah, they don't exactly. care who had done it. Yeah, very true. At the drive-in, it's an empty drive-in, obviously. The, the drive-in, I meant to say, is not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sam and Pilar talk. Sam explains to her that Buddy was her real father because Eladio didn't die a month before she was born. He died like a year and a half. 18 months. Yeah. Uh, a year and a half before she was born. So he also gives, shows her a picture of Buddy with her mom, Mercedes, when they were young. Uh, they were obviously side lovers. That kind of thing. Even though his mother was a saint, he was off banging another woman. So, but he's not that great of a guy. Let you know, let him take the fall for <laughs> some of this bad yep. stuff. And so that just really leads us to the conclusion. Okay, they are half brother and half sister, which makes a lot of sense, knowing that Buddy kept them apart right. <laughs> from doing stuff earlier. It couldn't help. It couldn't keep them apart this time. But the even weirder thing is, they decide to just keep their relationship going. You know, at, on the one hand. I kind of understand it because there's this emotional connection that they've had together. The funny thing is, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure the entire town knew. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they know. The whole town knows. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, you know, they're trying to hide it from these two people who obviously have this connection together and they can't explain it and, and an emotional connection. And of course, when you're a teenager, that also usually translates into like a sexual connection because it, that's just the way yeah. teenagers work. You know, all this buildup and they, they feel like they can finally be together. I kind of want to know what happened after this. Like, does is this something yeah. the town just doesn't talk about? Is this something like, you know what? We're not going to say anything. They're happy together. I'm sure I I kind of want to, I would have wanted to see what Mercedes' reaction was. Oh, yeah. Oh, he did. He did say, he did say, have you told your mother? He's like, no, I'll tell her tomorrow. Like, her mom doesn't know that they have been seeing each other yeah. right now. So are they going to keep it a secret? Or are they just going to say, fuck it? We're going to do what we want. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know. Like at, in the end, I'm okay with it. It was. She, I mean, she kind of explains, "Hey, I had complications. I can't have another baby." So there's at least that aspect yeah. of, um, you know, inbreeding is is not a part of it. They they build it up to make you okay with it. As weird as it sounds, they yeah. And and you get it. You do feel that they have this connection, and there's something special between them. Let them let them be happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It'd be one thing if they knew when they were kids that they were related. Yes. Now, I will flat out say, because we watched this when we were pretty young, the whole 
incest mm-hmm. aspect at the end went way over my head and I didn't know it until it wasn't until I rewatched this probably like after college or something and then I'm like oh I don't remember that <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I definitely remember that being the aspect yeah kind of strange it is it, and it feels like not to say it comes out of nowhere because it doesn't because they build up to it but it's just kind of like whoa that's an interesting story point to put in here yeah it reminds me of there was a, a story of a Vietnamese couple uh, who was together for like 20, 25 years or something like, or maybe longer than that. And they were both from orphanages. And then it turned out that they were brother and sister. Oh, whoa. And Crazy. when that came out, they actually divorced uh-huh. because I think it was, it was illegal. So they were like, okay, well yeah. it's not legal. So they're just divorced. But like, it was like, how can like, Ooh, yeah. Imagine having like being with someone for like, tw- you know, most of your life and then find out, Oh, by the way, that's your sister or that's your brother. That is particular. I mean, but there is a big difference of not condoning incest, but trying to say like this movie, let's growing up with like a stepbrother or stepsister who you've grown up with your entire life. Right. To me, that that feels more like a sister or like, you know, feels like your actual family as opposed to someone who lived across the country or across town that you did not know was your brother or sister. Yeah. Um, and so like that, exactly. There's, you know, you lose a lot of that. So I think. All that put together, let the brother and sister fuck. I don't care. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is, but it's interesting. It, this episode is turning into weird already. It is very weird, but um, all right. Uh, then we get uh, Cowboy's Sweetheart by Patsy Montana. It plays as the end credits roll. And that is the end of Lone Star. So, you know, it does did get a weird turn at the very end, mm. but what are your thoughts on Lone Star? This is definitely, I can't recommend this movie enough to people who've never seen it. I just mm-hmm. can't. The pacing is great. It doesn't feel like it slows down to me. Yeah. It feels like we're always moving. Um, all of the side stories do tend to, like, they'll tie in in a roundabout way to all of the other characters, um, but they still work and they're still worth knowing because they're you're building relationships and the characters and stuff like that. I really, really think people should give it a chance. Now, I, I'm pretty sure I do have this on DVD, but I just decided, I was like, oh, I'm just going to rent it. It's not on any streaming service right now. I was like, I'll just rent it on iTunes. However, it was like $3.99 to rent it or $4.99 to buy it. So I just bought <laughs> like I <laughs> just go. buy it. If I watch it twice, yeah. I've already paid for it at that point. Yeah. So, True. so. Um, I know it, it is on iTunes. Um, I don't think it's on any streaming services. I don't know if it goes in and out. Very much a, a lesser known movie, but mm-hmm. still highest recommendations right now. I definitely re- reiterate the uh, recommendations. Uh, I'll kind of go over some of the things I kind of already mentioned, but just to sum up. Um, you know, this is this is a large ensemble film where you've got a lot of different characters mm-hmm. and, you know, you're getting a lot of different storylines. And while, you know, you're trying to think as a viewer, why does this stuff matter? By the end of the film, you know, you see why these storylines why these storylines tie together. And even the ones that don't tie together, they add to the world building. Yes. And they add to the characters. So I would say that the storytelling is phenomenal because it treats characters like 
people, all of them, every single one of them. It treats them like, and you find out a little bit about each person. And I like that. The transitions, as we already mentioned, are fantastic. It's just absolutely wonderfully done. Um, you know, this is more of an art house independent style film, but it's one that people should check out. It's thought provoking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's dealing with race relations, preservation of history, you know, whatever that might mean, dealing with family relationships and dealing with love. Yep. For me, you know, it's it's not going to make my top 10 of all time, but it's probably definitely in like my top 50 of all time or around that, mm -hmm. I would say. It's a great film. Take the time. If you've made it this far into our <laughs> podcast and you've never seen Lone Star, I hope we can convince you. Go check it out. Yeah. All right, now we are doing a totally different type of show uh, and bit of media here. We are staying in the Western feel, but that's about it. That's the only similar thing. Uh, we are talking the 1989 to 1991 kind of comedy sitcom, Hey Dude, that played on Nickelodeon. It was five seasons in that time and 65 episodes, so I guess it was like their seasons were fairly quick. Mm -hmm. It was created by D. LaDuke. D. LaDuke also created Double Dare ah. and was an uh, executive producer on the UPN series Girlfriends that had a big long run. Uh, apparently, D. LaDuke was a receptionist at Nickelodeon when she co-created Double Dare. She was then promoted to a scheduler you know, for the network before eventually becoming director of programming. Uh, she also helped come up with the Nick at Night format. Oh, cool. D. LaDuke, obviously an important person. For, Nickel for Nickelodeon. We, we owe a lot of our childhood to this woman. <laughs> yeah, between Double Dare Hey Do and Nick at Night, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, Graham Yost was a writer on this show, which I thought was really cool. Graham Yost wrote uh, Speed, Speed 2, Broken Arrow, Hard Rain. Mm. Um, also helped develop the show Justified, which is a popular okay. um, kind of Western, Western show yep. on FX. Got started with Hey Dude, my man. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah. Uh, the cast. There's only two people I'm really going to talk about. <laughs> um, there's pretty much a bunch of people who have done not much or literally nothing else besides Hey Dude. Right. And I don't really want to bring them up. But the two people I'll mention, the first one is the character who, or the, the actor who played Ted. His name is David Lasher. Uh, he had a, a pretty uh, good reoccurring character on both Blossom and Sabrina the Teenage Witch as like a love interest mm -hmm. on both of those shows, I believe. He was also kind of like the, I don't know love interesty kind of guy in Hey Dude. Uh, and then, of course, the main actress who, who I think most of us remember from Hey Dude, and John had a Hey Dude crush on her, I believe. You can mean I still have a Hey Dude crush on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, and that's Christine Taylor, uh, who uh, married Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, yeah. Um, I, think, I think they're still together, to my knowledge. I think so. Yeah, uh, but most of us probably know her best from Dodgeball. She was uh, the main actress in Dodgeball. Yeah. So, but she's she is funny good comedic actress i'd love to start off before we kind of dive more into the show you know what do you remember hey dude why is hey dude in your nostalgia it's definitely one of the shows that uh, was in my nickelodeon rotation of watching i for some reason uh if you go back and listen to our top 10 nickelodeon shows that we did uh with the guys from the orange years which i found i think it's a great episode that we did it uh, yeah Definitely one of our better episodes of of, like, uh, of of recent time, I'd say. Yeah, I for some reason, I you know, a lot of these shows were kind of like they were sitcoms, but they were kind of like almost soap operas for kids. Yeah, and I kind of fell victim to those. Like, 
quite a few of them. Um, surprisingly, yeah. they've actually said that the the main demographic for this show was eight to ten year olds. Really, that's what they were shooting for. Which interesting. Which is why I'll talk about how well it holds up later. <laughs> okay, but like it, it definitely felt like it was more towards the teenage because they were all you know like later teenagers working on this uh, dude ranch. It was called the Bar None Dude Ranch. It was apparently set near uh, Tucson, Arizona. Um, and the whole show is basically eh, the lives of the ranch owner, uh, the ranch owner's son, a, um, a ranch hand, the female yeah. ranch hand, and uh, the teenage uh, summer employees that would kind of be around. Yeah. Which the show was actually shot on a real dude ranch okay. um, uh, outside of Tucson. So the show was shot in Tucson, and the building that is in the outside is still there. At the dude ranch, oh, okay, uh, it's kind of fallen into disarray. That you know, it's obviously hasn't been used for a long time, but it's still technically there. But it's on private property, so you can't just go to it. Oh, let's say so we can't like make a um, you know trip or a mecca kind of trip to uh, I, to the dude bar none. Dude I don't ranch. think so. I forget what the name of the actual ranch is that it's on, but uh, I don't I don't think it's just like a public ranch that you can go onto. I could be wrong, but I'd have to look it up. Okay. So when we talk nostalgia with this show, one of the highest parts of nostalgia for this show is that theme song. Hey, dude. It's a little wild and a little strange when you make your home out on the range. Start your horse and come along, but you can't get it right if you can't hold on. Sing it. Like the cowboys say Sing it again now You be tired In the long little days Till the break of day Better watch out for those man-eating jackrabbits And that killer cacti Hey, dude Such a good theme song And still a really good Like, man, I found myself listening to it like two or three times It's still a good song After watching the show I know, I, not I know, I ended up annoying my wife because I just kept going, what? what? <laughs> like the cowboy. She said, uh, she was visibly um, <laughs> unhappy with me how often I was saying that, like, you know, before we were going to bed and stuff. And, but it is, it is really catchy. It's a really, really good song. Yeah. I want I want I wanted like uh, I wanted like a full version of it. Like a, give me like a yeah. full like two two and a half minute long version of the song that I could put on uh, in my car. <laughs> I would totally let jam around to that in the car. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, talking about some of the characters, Brad, who I felt to be kind of she kind of ended up being like one of the more main characters mm-hmm. that I noticed. What is it with uh, in in shows like this where they you get a female with a male's name? Yeah. I mean, yeah, her name's Bradley. I don't know why. Okay. I, I, I do not know. And it's almost always uh, rich girls. <laughs> and she was a rich girl. Uh, so, yeah. But um, I one of the episodes I watched, her parents just dropped off a horse for her. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> like, damn. They just say, hey, hey, by the way, here's a gift of a horse. It's like, fucking hell. Like, you're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Your family is. It, to me, there was actually definitely a part of the show where it felt like, at least maybe maybe it was the episodes that I saw, where Brad was kind of like the it girl of the show that different guys on the show were trying to get with her. Yeah. But we all know, we all know Melody was the one to drool over. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I probably did have a little bit of a crush on Kelly. Yeah. You know, then. 
Um, which, by the mm-hmm. way, she has since. I'm not sure she did anything else past this. Um, she has since she owns a series of boutique shops up in New York. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I fell hard for Melody, so. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, but I just remember, at least from the ones I saw, that uh, Brad played by Kelly Brown, who this was her only credit. Yeah. This is the only thing she ever did. But yeah, she was cute. A couple of the a couple of these folks were locals. They 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 hired mm. a couple of local kids. I forget which one's which. Um, there is a a video up on YouTube from I want to say 2014. Um, some sort of television expo had a reunion panel with mm-hmm. the folks from Hey Dude. Um, mm-hmm. Not everyone was there. Kelly Brown wasn't there. Uh, Joe Torres, who plays Danny, was yeah. also not there. And he, his, he, he's, he's his own story, sort of. Yeah, there, there's kind of what apparently this whole thing, like a mystery. Yeah, people thought like, was he dead? What's going on? Because he hasn't answered anybody's calls. He apparently went complete radio silent. Yeah, according to the guys from Orange Years, the some of the producers have been in contact with him, but as mm-hmm. far as I know, none of the cast. I've heard from him. Yeah. He's more or less off the grid. So yeah. it's hard to say. Yeah, I guess he just, you know, maybe he just didn't love catch the acting bug after the yeah. show was done. And maybe he didn't like the attention. He just kind of wanted to live a normal life. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he didn't. yeah that's very possible. And, and uh, he, the, I don't know if this was controversy per se. It's not surprising considering the time. Um, so the character of Danny was supposed to be Hopi Indian. Um, but mm-hmm. Joe Torres is Mexican, and part of it was that they did go look for – they did go to the Hopi Reservation hoping to find one, but they couldn't really find any quality actors there, mm-hmm. so they decided to cast someone else. Fair enough. Uh, one thing that was kind of interesting with the cast is uh, only two of the cast members actually knew how to ride a horse. <laughs> Apparently, the person uh, who played Brad, Kelly Brown, and then also Lucy, who was kind of the ranch hand, mm-hmm. uh, she was kind of a badass ranch hand. Yeah. She, she knew what she was doing. Yeah. I remember her. Uh, but those were the only two actors who actually had ridden horses before. So I feel like I kind of watched this show. I watched it definitely on my own when I did, but I felt like I was introduced to this show probably mostly through you and you watching it. You know, it was early. You know, if it came, if we watched it, you know, around the time it came out, I would have been only like four or five. Right. You know, when it was actually coming on. So um, I probably, you know, definitely saw it in some of the more syndication. You know, I kind of always associate this as your show a little bit more than mine, mm-hmm. but we both... Both enjoyed it. Both watched it. Definitely part of the nostalgia. Any other extra comments you've got? It's kind of the show. It, it is soap opera. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like you're following these characters and you know see what either hijinks they get into. It's not as it's not as silly as say uh, salute your shorts. Right. We talk about that one. That that one I think skewed even even a little bit younger or skewed skewed a little bit more kind of silly camp fun. Where this one was more soap opera esque and just kind of had some like you know relationshipy moments mm-hmm. and just kind of it, it seemed overall paced slower than something like that. Yeah. And uh always seemed to end up with somebody in the trough. Yeah. Pretty much every episode. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It was Ernst all a lot, I feel. Yeah. So but yes, uh, definitely that falling into the the horse water trough was a big uh, a, a fun reoccurring gag. Yeah. So let's talk our final little shots on the show. Um, uh, let's start off with you, John. This was this was I mentioned your show before mine. Yeah. So so I definitely it, it's definitely the nostalgia for me for this one. It's the memory of watching this when I was a kid, um, probably either after school or on the weekends or something. Probably in syndication or reruns. Um, I could never remember when the show came out. Great theme song, and I, actually I think. I forgot how good the theme song actually was until mm-hmm. I rewatched some of the stuff and then 
realized it. I only wa- I only got through one episode, and that's about as much okay. as I could do. It was really slow. It's it's obviously not meant for me to watch now. And as I said, the the producers have said that it was kind of meant for eight to ten year olds, and I could see, you know, being eight to ten and liking, you know, why I liked the show. I don't know that I I didn't watch it with my kids, so I don't know what they would have thought of with it. It might have been too slow for them now, mm-hmm. um, you know, because most of what they watch now is a lot more fast paced. But for me, it's going to be a show that I appreciate the nostalgia. I'm going to appreciate the love that I had for it, but it's just going to have to stay in my nostalgia for me, except for that theme song, yeah. which I will be listening to. Uh, my first note on kind of my final thoughts also, it's kind of slow. Same kind of thing. It's just, yeah, the pacing was particularly slow. It was kind of like that soap opera style. But then my next note was, honestly, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a bad time. I ended up watching three episodes. Okay. So I was able to get through it, and I'm not saying I'm going to binge watch this anytime <laughs> soon, particularly partly because the the episodes I could find were not great quality. Right. I could find some, like, you know, full episodes, but it wasn't the top shelf rips of DVDs. It was it was yeah. something else that just looked really compressed. But I had an okay time. Maybe it's because I've never grown out of that 8 to 10-year-old mentality <laughs> in my, you know, maturity level. Um, but, you know, I thought it was decent. And if I, especially if I had a kid who would like this, I'd be plenty happy sitting watching it with them mm-hmm. or something like that. And, of course, the theme song is the, the best part of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I appreciated it. Not going to go back and see it. I don't think so. But I, I liked it. I liked it enough. Okay. And, and I think, uh, hey, dude, you know, for anybody out there who hasn't seen it in a long time, it, it might be worth checking out one episode and then see if you're more like John or if you see if you're a little bit more like me. So, cool. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... He's coming! He's coming! There's gonna be a gunfight! <laughs> There's a brand new bubblegum in town named a Hubba Bubba. It's soft, juicy, and delicious. Best of all, Hubba Bubba lets you blow great, big, fat bubbles <laughs> that won't stick to your face. Big bubbles, no troubles. <laughs> you Hubba Bubba Bubblegum! All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned, we are going to be recasting Lone Star using actors of today. Lone Star. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. That there? Yeah, no, wrong one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is actually, this is one where in my head I was like, they shouldn't remake it, but at the same time, like I'd be interested to see a remake of this movie. Yeah. So I, I, it'd be one that I would see. I'd be hesitant about it, but uh, you know, I mean, if the, the writing was was just as good on it, then you know, if yeah. if they're just basically recreating the the movie using modern day actors, I, I, I'd be interested to see it. Yeah. So we're gonna do several characters. We're gonna do Sam, Pilar, Buddy, Charlie Wade, Hollis, Young Hollis, Otis, and Mercedes. And I don't know why I left Dell off the list. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I probably could have left Young Hollis off the list and put Dell instead. Done, Dell. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. I just I think I made the list really, really quickly. That's all right. I mean, and knowing that Young Hollis ultimately is the person who killed Charlie Wade, yeah. it it kind of like it, it elevates him to it. But I would agree, Dell probably has more screen time. Oh yeah, yeah. Than uh, yeah, definitely. So, um, all right. So let's start off with Mercedes Cruz. Adam, who did you go with? 
I will just flat out say I didn't really adjust any of the uh, races for this. For this, I didn't either because I felt it was important to the story. Agreed. You know, the the, the whole race relations being an p- important aspect to it, I was like, I kept pre- people pretty similar. And so I just try to fit like, okay, who do I think works in this role? Uh, so I went with an actress who also fits kind of like the age range because there's, there's some funky ages with this one. Yeah. There's a lot of flashback stuff. So people like... Buddy Deeds and Young Hollis, but then you know Charlie Wade's older, but he's also in the Flash. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of. <laughs> I had to, I had to pay attention to like how old some people are just to kind of get. All right, can you play around the age I'm wanting? Mm-hmm. This actress, uh, she has been in the movie Babel. She was in Drag Me to Hell and tons of Mexican soap operas. I noticed her name is Adriana Barraza. Okay, uh, that is an interesting choice because I also <laughs> went with Adriana Barraza. So you must have like done the same kind of thing I did. I just I was the same research you did probably. I did the same research of Hispanic actresses and I looked through the rounds like who has the look that, yeah. that I think fits and who has the age that I think fits and Adriana Barraza did. I got to say uh trying to recast um older Hispanic actresses or Latinx actresses is hard uh-huh. cuz every list you go through is who is the hottest Yes. You know, who's who's the hottest 40-year-old Latina, you know, actress? And it's like, I don't know. That's not what I want. I want to know who's the best yeah. actress, who's yeah. you know, who's the best la- uh, Latina character actor or something like that. It's hard to find. You really have to dive deep to find it. Well, doesn't that say a pretty bad thing about how women are thought of as actresses in general? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. so, all right. Good, good call on that one. All right. Well, let's go to Otis. Who did you pick for Otis? Um, we definitely enjoyed uh, Ron Canada's version. Mm-hmm. I, I went with some bigger. Besides Adriana Barraza, I think every one of my actors actors coming up is a pretty much bigger name. Yeah. And so I wanted to fit with somebody who, again, right in that age range, he's got a good uh, kind of like gray hair to him, kind of like Ron Canada did. Um, this guy, fantastic actor. I, I can't remember if we've used him before. I feel like we have. He is also on the show Blackish that I fucking love and I talk about it all the time. Um, but overall, we both love him in The Matrix. We love him in so many different things he's done. I put Lawrence Fishburne as my Otis. That's a good call. I mean, I'm never, I'm never mad at yeah at seeing Lawrence Fishburne in a movie that, that you know he's a great actor. He's a great actor. He's good at everything. That that totally makes sense now that he's older. Mm-hmm. I you know I'd be ecstatic to see Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. I did not go with Lawrence Fishburne. Actually, he didn't actually even really come into my kind of periphery for that. I kind of, once I saw this guy's name, I kind of knew, oh, he's going to be the guy I go with. He's done a lot of stuff over the years. Like for a, He's been an actor for a long time, um, since the early 80s and various things. My Probably my favorite role of his is in the movie The Hunt for Red October, but he did an incredible job last year in the show Lovecraft Country. I went with Courtney B. Vance. You know, I hadn't seen Hunt for Red October until I saw it with like our dad one time, and he had it on, and I was just like, "Oh, that's good shit." Oh, it's a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's it's one of the uh, Jack Ryan, yeah, Tom yep. Clancy ones. That's actually, the, the, I think it was one of the first Jack Ryans that came out. Yeah, I have not seen Lovecraft Country. It is. Great. I've heard a lot of good stuff. It is great. Okay. I don't. It, it's it's very like it's got a lot of horror elements to it, and I tell you, I'm not a fan of horror. But the story in there kept me so captivated that I watched it all the way through, despite the fact that I just don't not big on horror. Interesting. Um, I honestly, I'm trying to see, and I don't know much of his work. Um, I just can't 
think of it. That's fine. But I I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in you. Oh, he was in the Twelve Angry Men, Twelve Angry Men, the Tony Danza version. <laughs> Uh, that was a man. <laughs> I remember that they did that, and I was almost like, "Blasphemy! Why the hell would you make Twelve Angry Men again with Tony Danza?" <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you yes, and if you say with Lovecraft Country, if it's that good, I will check that out, and I'll check out his performance it, as well. It's definitely on the list of TV shows that you have to watch that I know you haven't. Okay. Much like, um, I mean, True Detective. I'll throw yeah. that out there, like I mentioned earlier, or um, Doom Patrol, or The Watchmen. Or the Watchmen, yeah, exactly. There's quite a bit that I need to get on. It's, there's so much good stuff, John. I know, but you, you just got you just got to throw it on. You got to give it a chance. Yeah, I know. The Boys. That's another one you got to finish. I no, I finished the Boys. Oh, good. I'm, I'm okay. caught up on the Boys. Okay, cool. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for season three to come out, like everybody else. Uh, whenever that will. I also want to try and retry The Witcher, which you know I loved the video games. I've played Witcher two and three, but I I watched one episode of the show and I was like, ah, eh, it didn't grab me. But I feel like I want to give it another shot. Yeah, you kind of have to get in a little bit farther because okay. I I was the same. Okay. I actually never played the video game, but uh, my wife wanted to watch the show, and so I I just kind of was like, all right, fine, I'll just sit through it. First episode or maybe even the first two, I was going, kind of like, eh, it gets better. Okay, cool. Well, you've never seen The Wire, so how about that? That's true. I also have never seen The Wire. <laughs> So I've never seen Oz. There's like a whole slew of like really good TV shows. That yeah. I've actually never seen. I've seen a few episodes of Weeds, but I've never seen like the whole thing. Uh-huh. That's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Young Hollis. I'll uh, go with this one. This was actually the hardest one I had to do because I casted my old Hollis first. And then I wanted to uh-huh. find someone that kind of looked like him. Um, yeah, that's tough. It's tough. I, I I think I did an okay enough job. There may have to be some makeup done on either side to make it look work. But uh, young Hollis, he's kind of doughy. He's kind of seen that way a little bit. He's not like <laughs> – I'm making it sound worse yeah. than he actually is in the film. But I was looking for a young guy who's like, oh, he's the one, he could play like kind of like a meek personality. So uh-huh. I went with John Bradley. Who you'll instantly recognize. He's doughy. <laughs> he's certainly doughy. Uh, yeah. He's, that was not the reason why I picked him. But. Uh, he's Sam from uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah, he's doughy. And he definitely plays Meek. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I was I was thinking more of the Meek than I was the, <laughs> the doughy. <laughs> um, no, that's probably actually a better call than what I went with. Okay. Well, who did so. you go with then? Yeah, I, I also, I didn't think about the doughy. This guy's not doughy. That's fair. I mean, that's not necessary, but. Yeah, but I did kind of go with a, who do I think could play Meek? And he was kind of Meek in the um, Perks of Being a Wallflower. He's getting to be a you know, good, pretty good little actor. He's not little. He's almost 30. But uh, I, I, I see his face and it's kind of like, you know, round baby face. <laughs> and so I kind of equated that to a meekness quality. Uh, his name's Logan Lerman. Oh, I definitely recognize the name. Mm-hmm. I think I've used him before in a okay. casting, and I think that's why. Because I've not seen most of anything he's been in. I haven't seen Perks yeah. of the Wallflower. I haven't seen Fury. I've heard Fury was yeah. pretty good. I didn't see it. I heard the same thing. I haven't seen it. But I, I do own Perks of, Walk- Perks of Wallflower, and I like it. And he, and he has kind of have some meek qualities to him. And he's got that baby face that I just kind of, I I tied that to, um, to Hollis. Okay. Cool. I'm I'm okay with that. He's got a good he's got a good look for it. I think he's definitely got a good he's look. He's got for it. it. Cool. Cool, cool. I'll take that. Maybe he'll go And yours is has the perfect doughy quality. Well, maybe maybe Logan Lerman will will take it in in uh uh as a as an opportunity and like kind of like round himself out a little bit for the role. Yeah, there we go. I wish I took a role <laughs> like that, man. 
Actually, they, I'm, I'm yeah, living that I, role right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, all right. Speaking of young Hollis, why don't you go around and tell us who you went with for your old Hollis? Uh, all right, I'm changing my fucking casting right now because I just <laughs> this is the one I've actually changed like three times. Oh, wow. This is the one I've been least uh, confident in, and the thing that was holding me back from his was this guy's voice. But you know what? He'll figure it out. I'll let him figure it out, and uh, he'll have to. Because I couldn't get a... Because this is set in, you know, South Texas. Mm-hmm. And I need somebody who sounds kind of South Texas-y or something. <laughs> and so I ran through people like... I'll just throw out... I throw out, I had Tommy Lee Jones at one point. I had Jeff Bridges at one point. Mm-hmm. But both of those guys, and particularly Tommy Lee Jones, they both... They're, they're too hard yeah. for Hollis. Yeah. And, and, that, and that was my problem. Even I had Brian Cox at one point. But even Brian Cox, he's too hard <laughs> for Hollis. And so I'm going with this guy. He's definitely... If I had Logan Lerman when he was younger, this guy definitely uh, had the doughy. He ga- he gained as as did the actual Hollis as yeah. well in the in the movie. I couldn't get past the voice at first, but you know what? I fuck it. Everything else I like about him, he'll figure out how to do you know something from Texas. And I think he's he kind of continues the meek esque quality that even older Hollis still kind of had. I went with John Ratzenberger. Oh, he's got the look. I think that I he's got the look that I really want. But I'm so used to his voice in like the Toy Story and other <laughs> Pixar stuff that it's like ah, I can't get that out of my head. But he had everything else I wanted. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I like that. I okay. like that. It was it was kind of unexpected. Yeah, I mean, like I said, those other people that I wrote down as well, I originally had, but they're just they're too tough. They're too tough for a Hollis, <laughs> and so Ratzenberger's not doesn't have like the tough look yeah. to him. Um, so that makes me happy. All right. But I can, yeah, I can see, uh, oh God, who was it? Who does he play in Toy Story? Um, he's, uh, Ham. Yeah, he's, he's the, Ham. he's the penny, the coin slot yeah. Ham. Yeah, the piggy bank. All right. So for my old Hollis, uh, I went with an actor that we just recently talked about, uh, in the movie Office Space. I went with Richard Reel. Oh, yeah. He's got that. He's definitely got that look. Okay. Yeah. And he's actually almost, he's one year younger than Ratzenberg. He's, he is, Right there. Yep, he's right in the right age range. He does kind of look like the guy who played Hollis in the movie. Does, yeah, I could totally see him easing into that role pretty well. He's got that super cool mustache. Yes, he does. Yeah, we kind of absolutely just kind of stuck to stuck to who we knew or who kind of fit with the already Hollis. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely a good call. And he's definitely played Meek in Office Space. Right. So I think that's uh, I think it's a good call. I think it's a very good call. Great character actor who's been around forever. Um, yeah. I just watched yep. something that he was in recently. Um, oh God, I can't remember what was it. I gotta look. I gotta look because it's gonna bug me. Um, it's an mm-hmm. older movie that he was in. Well, not oh, that Casino. No, it was from the night. I mean, the, the dude's been in everything. It might have been a TV yeah. show. Because I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. A ton yeah. of stuff. Hold on, this is gonna bug me until I. <laughs> Four hundred and five credits. Yeah. yeah, that's a shit ton of stuff. <laughs> And he's got oh my god yeah so many in production right now. I'm like I'm halfway post. down the page and I'm only in like the early, like the late 90s and I'm like <laughs> yeah uh, he's got so, I'm not, so much yeah I'm not sure go. I'm gonna find whatever it was I was watching that I saw him on Quantum Leap. Oh I can't remember honestly I can't remember now if it was a movie or an old mm. uh, TV show. Oh wow well, okay it's just it's just gonna have to bug me. I'll kind of I'll kind of yeah. keep my eye out as we go. Oh yeah oh <laughs> sure um Glory. 
Oh, he's yeah, in the movie yeah. Glory. The, uh, the Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, movie. he plays. He plays like the, he's the officer who doesn't. He refuses to give them their, like, their shoes until Matthew Broderick oh. comes in and like lays down the law. Okay, that's what it cool. was. Okay, now I feel better. <laughs> yes, good. Uh, I think that's a that's a really good call. Uh, all right, Charlie Wade had a little bit of yeah. a hard time with this one. So perfectly played by Chris Christopherson. Mm-hmm. Rough. Uh, I'm gonna let you take your first one on this. Sure, you're right. I I similarly had a tough time picking it, um, and Chris Christopherson was like sixty something when he played this role. Mm. Uh, so I mean, he was he, he he looked older. He looked older. He looked hardened. He looked rough. Um, so I went with an actor who is I think around that like early sixties, but he looks I think he looks younger just because everybody looks younger nowadays. Yeah. Than, yeah, that's the the problem is is all of the actors look younger <laughs> yeah. now. So like the actors who are yeah. sixty look forty or thirty. When we go back to uh, Hispanic actresses list, <laughs> I was looking and it's like some of them are like, oh, yeah, they're like 55, 60. I'm like, Jesus Christ, they could play like a, a 35 year old, yeah. some of these women. And so it's just like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so this actor, he has definitely played hardened roles. And maybe, you know what, maybe I'd even let him direct this movie because he's a quite accomplished director as well. Um, but you've seen him do some kind of Western stuff before in Wyatt Earp. You've seen him do it in, uh, he's got a show called Yellowstone mm. right now. Um, and he also, obviously, Dancing with the Wolves. He wasn't all that hard in right. that one. But this guy, he can absolutely play hardened. And I think he fits the style. And he definitely fits the Western genre plenty of times. I went with Kevin Costner as my Charlie Wade. He was on my short list oh, cool. of actors. I definitely looked at him because I thought Yellowstone. Um, I yeah. also thought uh, Dances with Wolves. You know, he's, he's, about, he's the right age now. Um, he can mm. play hard. Not at all upset with that choice because I I cool. think that's a I think that's you a solid it. pick. Awesome, very cool. Um, I uh, went with a, a well-known actor um, who he's not known for playing hard characters, but I'm sure he can do it. I'm sure there are examples that I haven't seen. He's been in a ton of stuff. He, he's done everything from uh, family movies to great stuff. We've talked about him at least once. Uh, when Adam mentioned that he thought that he had a cute butt, and that's Dennis Quaid. <laughs> uh, that's not, I mean, I can see how you would go from Kevin Costner to, to Dennis Quaid, and he had a really cute butt. You, you can't deny that. If you haven't heard our- uh, uh, Not a cute butt. He had a good butt. I don't I don't think it was cute. I, it didn't one okay, that I wanted to okay. grab, but it was one that my wife would say, that's a biteable butt, okay. is what she would okay. say. Uh, if you haven't heard our episode on inner space, you need to go. That's a good episode too. <laughs> I mean, it was it was good. I wish I had a butt that yeah. good. Is what I would say. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think that's. In, I, I can totally see, as I said, like the Kevin Costner to Dennis Quaid uh, transition there, and I absolutely can see him play that role yeah. as well. Yeah, I'd be very happy with He's that. He's older now. Um, he can get a good grizzled look. He's been on several westerns styles. He's going to be playing yeah. Ronald Reagan in an upcoming film. About Ronald huh, Reagan. Interesting. Um, the, the last movie I saw him in was called A Dog's Journey. Oh, is the dog. Yeah, you it's told like me the, it was about the, reincarnation. The, yeah, dog reincarnation, and and which I saw because my daughter wanted to go see it because she loves animals. So, and good. That's that's fantastic. Cool. Uh, all right, Buddy Deeds. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, he played Doc Holliday in White. Oh yeah, yeah. They were both in White Earp together. Yep. So cool. All right, Buddy Deeds. I will go first. Uh, I didn't look too far to find this guy, mm. and he's—I uh, mean, he's in his 40s now, so he's a little bit oh. older. But you know, all those guys look young. Yeah, 
Yeah, you, I mean, you could make it up. Yeah, make him up and do whatever you got to do. And I, 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 he looks, he looks young enough. I don't, I wouldn't really necessarily worry about it. I mean, he's got nothing else going on right now because his show of like fifteen years just ended. I went with Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. Oh yeah, the su- Supernatural. Okay, he is older, but he does look. God, he looks yeah. young. He, he does absolutely look like a younger he's, guy. He's in you know. he's in great shape. I could totally see him playing a, a you know an old west sheriff. Not old west, but mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of got more of. I mean, maybe just because I'm thinking about the supernatural, more of like that superhero esque. Yeah. He's also mentality. he's also from Texas, and he's already got the accent, so that oh, helps. Okay. In fact, he in fact him both him and the other guy, which I I'm sorry for the people I don't remember the other guy's name. Um, they're both from I. Th- think either austin or dallas and they still live there like they they on their when they weren't filming they would go back there i'm actually i'm thinking it was austin but i could be wrong uh one of them's dallas uh and the other guy jared padalecki oh yeah jared padalecki whatever he's from san antonio but they are both from texas so cool all right who did you go with for buddy deeds I uh, I thought about a couple different people for Buddy Deeds. I actually put somebody who I potentially considered for Young Hollis at one point, because um, I have seen this guy kind of play almost a meek character, except for at times during the show, he's had some moments where he's had to be hardened up a little mm-hmm. bit. I'd like to see him, yeah, come out of his shell with a little bit hard, you know, bigger or you know, tougher, act tougher in this role of Buddy Deeds. And I also thought he could fit well with kind of the look potentially of my. My Sam deeds, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where I went with him. Funny enough, you cast his dad as the big bad of Charlie Wade. I went with the younger, the son. I went with Jack Wade as my buddy deeds. Okay, you know or what? Jack Quaid. Jack, Jack Wade. Jack Wade. Sorry, I actually thought about that too, but I was like, I don't want to put both Quades in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's been in the boys where he gets kind of meek, but you know he had some times where he. And I just I don't know. I think it would. Um, he's kind of got the look that I think would fit. So yeah, cool, cool. I like that. Cool. Uh, all right, Pilar. Is that that's how you say it, right? Yeah, Pilar. That's how I've been yeah, saying Pilar it. Pilar played uh, beautifully by um, uh, God Elizabeth Pena. Elizabeth Pena. I was like, I'm always horrible with names, like when it counts, yeah. <laughs> when it's important. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. When I'm in bed and I'm trying to scream <laughs> my wife's name, and I keep I keep fucking it up. <laughs> I know. Uh don't tell me how I know that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who did you go with? Uh, this was tough, and I'm not even still happy with my choice. Partly because I, I was again, I was trying to look for who are the best Hispanic actresses in this age range. Even I'd say this one was even worse because when you're trying to find someone in like that eh, mid 40s or that 40s age mm-hmm. range, every list was the most beautiful. Every list was like, oh, who's the hottest Latinx actress under 40 or around 40 or whatever or over 40. That's not to say what I needed. Yes, Elizabeth Pena is gorgeous, but I wanted to know who can act as good as Elizabeth Pena. And not all that many of them could. Um, this actress is is a good actress. I haven't seen her do anything as good up to the pal- caliber of Elizabeth Pena, but she is solid. I, I've seen her probably doing some of her better acting in the show Arrested Development, but we remember her best from the Mummy series. I'm with P- Patricia Velasquez. Okay. I mean, she's a gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a little bit older. She's, uh, she, she just turned 50, like, a, yeah. like well, a she, week or she two. She certainly though. doesn't look it. No, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm fine with that. Um, I've never seen the show Arrested Development. The show has never appealed to me, yeah. so I don't know any of her more mm-hmm. recent work, unfortunately. Fair enough. And I, even, even as I mentioned, I'm not, 
I'm not gung ho about this because I had a t- it's a h- tough time to replace yeah Elizabeth yeah. Pena. So unlike you, I actually cast this one pretty quick. Okay, I was pretty sure of my my pick, and it might have something to do that I've been wa- been binge watching the show Superstore with my wife. I went with America Ferrera. I did consider her at one point. I was looking around, and she is a really good actress. Um, I think ultimately I thought she was a little too young for for the role for me. Yeah, but the thing is, is she's like almost our age. She's like right in between us. Well, yeah, but, but I, so she's in her late thirties. Yeah, and and but so, I mean, I think I, the problem is, is is everyone looks younger now. That's just the problem. Well, yeah, true. She, I mean, exactly. She's she was born in eighty four. But like, I was thinking some of this person. I in my head, my person was a little bit older than both of us, even. Oh, okay. So. See, I didn't think so. I got the distinct depression. She was like maybe late thirties, early forties. Yeah, I could see, and I could see like the early forties. Um, but you're right because you know this person, she probably had her kid fairly young. Yeah, um, and that is part of the aspect is you know because because in my head I went to all right these P- our stars Pilar and Sam have to have a kid in like the high school age because that's what that's what her son is in mm-hmm. so if her son was 18 she'll probably needs to be 20 years older than that so that's 38 and so i gave a couple extra years i need they need to play right at that like the, at that 40 range and she is almost i mean she's 36 and so say she had the kid at 18 instead boom right there which is very possible yeah so yeah you're not far off and i i absolutely passed her and be like ooh, i thought about it for a second because she is she is i think probably the stronger of the actresses between the two yeah so and I do love me some Superstore. <laughs> we're enjoying it. Actually, the more we get in, the farther in we've gotten, the more we've started yep. to enjoy it. Oh, good. All right. And then our our lead guy, Sam Deeds. I'm going to start off. I think I have a good pick. I'm not sure I have a great pick. The problem with this actor is he's got a boyish face. So despite the fact that he's literally only two months younger than me, mm-hmm. um, he looks like he's still 29 okay and you know and we just talked about they need to kind of have that feel of a 38 or 40 or area yeah so that's that is the issue that i'm having he's a great actor i have no no doubts that he could play the part he just looks so young and i'm not really sure why i picked him i think i think i just needed to go with someone so i just ultimately picked him i but i think he he could definitely lead a movie i went with joseph gordon levitt Oh, uh, you know, another person I did kind of look at, but I, I dismissed him for, for being too young and looking too young. He's a great actor. He really is. He's a strong actor. I really like yeah. him. I was secretly hoping that they would pursue the Robin storyline with him, with yes. Christopher Nolan stuff. I was really hoping that something would happen out of that, and it never did, and I was really disappointed with it. Yeah, I'd like to, exactly. I'd like to see him, you know, take on like a Nightwing mantle or yeah. something. Yeah, I, I don't want to shit on it because, you know, I, I considered it. Um, but like ultimately in my head, I, I think, yeah, baby, baby boy looks, <laughs> but he's, I mean, he's, yeah, maybe if I switched him, maybe if I put Jensen Ackles as Sam Deeds and Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Buddy Deeds, cause in, in, I mean, in the movie, Buddy Deeds is, looks younger than Sam does. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But at the same time, I trust Joseph Gordon-Levitt's acting to lead this movie more than I do Jensen Ackles acting. That's fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So. All right. Who did you go with? I thought it couple different people but ultimately i wanted as somebody who i've kind of seen before who had hit that hit that age range of like that early to mid 40s and i think this guy can play that he might be closer to 50 as well um but he'll figure that (laughs) out uh he's played 
a sheriff who he'll do what he has to do for his people before. And I think he's, uh, you know, even though he's British, he can handle the Western vibe and he did really well in Walking Dead. I went with Andrew Lincoln. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good call. I like that. I like that a lot. Awesome. Yeah. He's proven a good actor. And kind of like, I don't know, I see a lot of similarities between Rick and Mm. and, uh, Sam Deeds. I can see that. Yeah. Cool. That's 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 ultimately when I want to say he was like the fourth or fifth name that I wrote down. But once I wrote him down, I was like, yeah, I I just I see those similarities myself, and so I I tied it Your in. Mother was a saint, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Carl. <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have to add a Carl in yeah, there somewhere. Cool. Uh, overall, I think combined, uh, I think some good choices. I think yeah, absolutely. I think some good people to pick from. Um, I'm still confounded as to how uh, we've not gotten a call from Hollywood to come in and be casting directors. Uh, we just we just need to start our own uh, casting company. Not that I know anyone really in the business <laughs> to get started to do something like that, but you know, it's got it's got to happen. It's going to happen, folks. Yes, it will. One of these days. One John. of these days. So, I'm just going to I'm just going to push one more time. If you've never seen Lone Star, you need to go see it. Yeah. Absolutely. Find it. All right, and that was our recasting of a Lone Star movie. Please join us next time for a very cool episode, because you know what? We're the champions, and John and Adam are joined by Prime from the Prime Nostalgia Podcast as we break down our top 10 favorite Queen songs. Make sure to check it out. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get